This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo with another Rower's Choice Podcast. Hey guys, it's CJ from Rower's Choice. Sorry to interrupt the opening of this podcast, but wanted to quick jump in and say thank you for your support so far. Uh, we're 12 episodes in, this is number 13, and Alex and I never could have imagined the support we'd get um, from you on this podcast. We're really excited about the the interviews that Alex is going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, um, but if there are coaches that you would like us to talk to and questions you would like us to ask, please leave us comments, send us emails, let us know what we're missing. Uh, we want to make this podcast something that is beneficial for you. Uh, thanks again for your support, and enjoy this episode. We have um, a unique one today. This is with, um, well, Andrea, but I always have a hard time pronouncing her last name. So it's uh, it's German, so it's only four letters. It's interesting how many how many different ways it can kind of come out. But we say, uh, or my family says, a buck. Buck in German, it's book. Like I had no idea. Well, that like okay, that changes everything. So so that's good information to get out there. Yeah, buck. Andrea Buck. Yep. Um, so Andrea Buck has been with Pocock for a very long time. Today. Um, you're going to learn a little bit about her history of rowing, what she does on a day-to-day basis at Pocock, but more importantly, the things that she's learned along the way uh, with all that she's been doing, from rowing, coaching, boat building, um, and then your own training of, of yoga and all that. So, Andrea uh, Book, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Rowers Choice Podcast. Um, you know, it's funny, I don't think that I actually know your rowing history. So, go back to when say you were 13 or 14 or whenever you started like give us how we got from starting rowing to today um i mean running sales and and at pocock like walk me through it okay well um yeah it started in a little town in connecticut called lime connecticut lime uh, old like lime old lime lime is... old lime and i am very distinctly i am from lime which is different than old lime although I didn't know we that. have a we have a consolidated high school is is old lime older than lime um, uh, it was it was settled earlier, but actually, oh, this is this is so Connecticut. Uh, Lime was at, it started all as one big chunk of land, and it was founded. I want to say in like 1637. Okay. I think is what is on the on the town little town sign as yeah. you see in New England. Um, and old lime broke off, I think, in the 1850s. So, so lime so, is the original. So lime is the original. Um, Got it. Now you rode there. Yep, yep, rode there. Lime old lime high school and Blood Street Skulls. What year was this? That was, I started rowing in 1993. So um, we're not going to tell people your age, but... In a little, well, I was... I was they could figure that out, right? I was 13 right? in 1993, <laughs> little recreational single, um, and graduated high school there in 1998. What row, what boats were you rowing in 93 to 98? Uh, that's a great question. We, we had, we had, somebody had a very, very good idea to get all of these recreational singles From that where? were called Bostons, or we Bostons. called them Bostons. They were just called Bostons, and they were these little tubby... Um, they were great. They were so rugged. We'd drag them up on the beach, drag them on the like sand. Like fiberglass, like fiberglass. Yeah, heavy hole. fiberglass, tubby, okay. like very um, rudimentary kind of like foot stretcher adjustments. Sure. Have you ever heard of the Bostons? We just call them. No, I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, obviously finish line, we've seen hundreds of boats come through. Um, but no, at no point do I even know what They had is. very like 90s colors with stripes on the deck. Um, but somebody bought, we, I mean, we probably had like 10 of them. And I honestly think that was, uh, 10. Yeah. That's a lot. And in this teeny tiny, po- relatively podunk boathouse with so a then, public so then, high school. What about like big boats? I mean, were you rowing, were you rowing big boats, fours? What? Uh, it was, so it was kind of a mashup of all these things. And, and 
for a very small place, there's been, um, it's a small group, but it's a very elite group of people who've come out of this boathouse, which yeah. includes, uh, who've had an impact on the national team and a lot of um, competitive, competitive success for the U.S., which include um, Andrew Bolton on the lightweight side, wow. um, Sarah Trowbridge, okay, yeah. and Austin Hack. Oh my gosh! Are all from all, the, are, all, all from that not old house. lime, but from lime. Uh, they're they're actually all old limers, and Sarah Sarah's from Guilford, um, but they all came through. They all rode at the boathouse. Just like, the that's snooty where... New Englander Connecticut <laughs> public school, public school, public school kids. Got public it. Public school kids. So okay, so you graduate in '98. Yep. Right, and then where do you go from there? Uh, well, we to to get to the boat question. The boathouse was full oh, right. of so it had the Boston's. We were, were, you know, Lyme, Connecticut's uh, 25 minutes from New Haven, so there were a lot of Escolies in there. But we also had um, a wooden Pocock, uh, a wooden show and broad, and two Pocock um, C4s, which were, like, that was my first introduction to Pocock. And there was also a Pocock single that was owned by a a, a private member that I actually got to row quite a bit. Um, and race quite a bit, but the Pococks had, I, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to work for Pocock now because those boats were not, um, they were not the sexy boats in the boathouse ever, no, but they I, were no. so serviceable. And I, I swear huh. to God, they're still there and they're 1985 boats. Uh, they were just so rugged. <laughs> I could see the riggers. I mean, like, and, I actually can yeah. see the way they are yeah. designed. Um, so there, I, I did have that connection early on, which I think was kind of unique being on the East Coast, but there was always that perception, which wasn't, again, it wasn't a sexy necessarily boat perception, but they were so serviceable. Right. And the other interesting thing about where I where I grew up in that boathouse was, um, it was the Fred Emerson Boathouse. And he started the program at my public high school and a lot of high schools all around the country, or a lot of programs just all around the country. I think he wrote at the University of Wisconsin and he inherited a bunch of money, and as part of that inheritance, uh, he had to do something. Isn't the Wisconsin boathouse named after him? I don't. I don't think they're boathouses, but no. he has uh, ever since I've, I've seen the name. Yeah, a if you're. Times. Yeah, so he. They called him the Johnny Appleseed of rowing. So he wow. started a lot of boat, a lot of programs all over the country. Um, and in fact, the lake, the tiny little lake that I grew up on had, because he was there, and he was my neighbor. He grew up, I sold Girl Holy Scout cow. cookies to him. I have a memory of him being a What's very... What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Uh, Tagalong, peanut butter <laughs> chocolate, hands down. Um, but anyway, he, he, was, he did a lot for rowing, especially in New England. Um, but he and George Pocock were very good friends. Oh. So when I started working for the company, like there's, we have a, kind of a little archive, some archival information, but going through the boat the boat logs or the boat records um, going back to the 60s and 70s. There are just boats for Mr. Emerson that would be going different places. Wow. So that's part of... Um, like You've been a, around Pocock since a, you were a little girl. Yeah, like a very, like a very one, like, and it wasn't until I started working here, like a one degree separation going back to my earliest days. I, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I knew, and I knew you were an East Coaster. So... What happens 98 now? So, like, where do you go? 98, uh, 98, Title IX is booming. I, uh, I knew I wanted to grow in college. Um, I was coming from this small program, but even, and this is pre-internet, like, it's so interesting to see where recruiting's gone, but um, I was recruited by some different different places um, and ended up uh, ended up going with the, the one that was probably most out of where I, what I ever thought I would do or where I ever thought I would be, but I ended up... Uh, uh, being part of the first recruiting class at the University of Kansas. Oh, so that was a fully funded twenty there's scholarships. The, there's the the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. Yeah, it's just like a doctor's office. In <laughs> it is actually that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, part of the first recruiting class at the University of Kansas. Um, got to go. You know, my my dad played football at Wisconsin. So when I was looking at my options, which were, which were like, I got into the Naval Academy. Wow. Uh, 
uh, George Washington was wow, actually yeah, one of my top hey, choices. Like right. I kind of always thought I'd end up in the DC area, which obviously that hasn't happened. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at my options, that's obviously a really big financial decision and, you know, having, having, a having a very honest conversation with my parents just about what it looks like to come out of college debt free or to come out of college sure. paying for part of it or paying for all of it. Um, it was, I, I went that route of going big time division one, well-supported college athletics. So um, what would you say jumping into Kansas, what was the biggest difference of rowing atmosphere from you know, 300 year old Connecticut, right. right. To Kansas. Like what, what the obvious culture shock. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of like when I was a South Jersey boy, I had long shaggy hair. I surfed all the time and we rode in, in saltwater and then I'm inundated in Marietta, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And it was like small town, horrible. And then I moved down to G DC and culture shocks, even within a 400 mile radius of just South Jersey. So, Yours is a little bit different, right? You're in the middle, mm -hmm. smack dab in the middle of the country. What can you remember as the, oh my gosh, what's going on? Or, or, or what was that difference to you when you first went there in 98, 99? Um, well, yeah, there was just no understanding of it. Or everybody the thought, they were like, rowing. you must be a softball player. I'm like, no, I'm not a softball player. <laughs> I'm on the rowing team. I'm a captain on your rowing team. So, so um. the, the info, basically the general population didn't know anything about Right. Rowing. And that's something like that experience for me. It's been very interesting seeing the growth of women's rowing, particularly the growth of Division One was rowing, Division One women's rowing within that, like really getting in at a time where there were just so many scholarships. There were so many new programs starting. There was a um, there was a degree of like an excuse, like you had this like, well, it's rowing and the athletic department doesn't understand it or it's mm -hmm. rowing and we're a brand new program within the athletic department. So there was a part of my experience, certainly both with my teammates who are a lot of um, walk-ons, like a lot of the boat oh, the team so was walk-ons. They didn't even know what a boat was in some cases. Right. And, and there were people who'd been part of the club team, so they'd rowed. But um, a big part of it was educating people or just being like, this is my experience, like oh, sharing, wow. sharing my experience or just sharing... Um, what rowing is like other places. And that was probably in a lot of the surrounding states too, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. Iowa, Kansas, like that, yeah. whole, that and the, whole... And the thing that's been really interesting to watch is going from a place where it's like, uh, it's rowing and nobody understands it as like an excuse to seeing what programs in various places around the country have been able to overcome that mm. perception. Because it is 100% just a perception. Right. But I still think there's quite a few places. And that is, you know, when I, looking back on my rowing experience, like I have experience on the East Coast. I have experience in the Midwest. I went on to coach at Louisville and Syracuse. I've done junior national team coaching. Now I coach in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, um, primarily juniors, but I've also done master's coaching out here. And it's just, um, and, I, and I get to ride in a lot of launches, which is yes, my do. favorite part of the job and something that I feel so grateful for. Um, but it's very interesting to see what perceptions people find as and in, in what context everybody's in such a different context geographically and weather wise and water wise um what are in some insurmountable asterisks mm. to your experience kind of like what sure. are the limiting factors that you identify as limiting factors and what are the what are what factors may or may be limiting that you can kind of move beyond or find a new way to get around which right. um in, in rowing in the Midwest or my experience in, in Kansas 20 years ago, it 22, was, it was years, 22 ago. years ago. Yeah. Oh my. Um, <laughs> there was kind of a big asterisk over that cause it was all new. 
And, and I think because it was new, there was kind of a grace period to that. Um, but it's not new anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the, emphasis, the emphasis wasn't probably on winning or, or you know, even developing as athletes. I mean, it was just, just get in the water and row and hope that it works out. And people, again, like didn't know what the hell you were doing. Right. 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 There was no excitement behind it. There was no growth behind it. There was, I was excited. I mean, there was, there, there, were, there was, I people outside of the yeah. boat. I mean, I think, you know, the college campus probably didn't know who you all were. Right. Outsiders, weirdos in some cases, right? Right. Clicky. And, and being able to translate that. I mean, it's just in, in the intervening 20 years, it's been very interesting to me to see like how, who has been successful in overcoming that. Even, even with lots of money, you can have lots of money and still, and still kind of like self marginalize yourself. I talked about it in a previous uh, podcast, like culture, right? Culture and identity are so important to the success of a team, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure, you can be Wisconsin and have a $5 million budget. I'm exaggerating, but you got yeah. a huge budget and you'll never win. Um, so that goes that. But I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm actually now really interested because like you, you did say you've had so many stints at all these places. Okay, you do four years at Kansas, I assume. Mm-hmm. So oh, I did five. You did five. <laughs> you were you were ultra special, and I'm yeah. putting his air quotes here. Uh, you know, oh three, you graduate. Um, I know you were at Pocock around 2010. You probably started earlier than that. So, where, like, where did your career take you? Because I got to tell you, you know, people can't see it in your face because it's a podcast. But you obviously have an obsession with rowing. Like, you have a very healthy obsession with rowing. It is clearly ingrained in your body in your mind and your soul and it really comes through when you talk about it i mean i could feel the energy uh coming out of you with this but so what happened in that time like you graduate college like where have you gotten to like you said you coach multiple places you do junior national like tell the audience like where have you been in your career um, well, besides, I, I had my my own competitive experience in kansas um after that i Got a job at the University of Louisville working for um, a, a very young head coach. Um, That's at, like a three or four hour drive away, right, from Kansas? Maybe more? Uh, middle of the country is big. You should know this. You drive I drive all the, the time. I just all can't the think, time. I just can't think of that gap. Uh, probably more like 10 hours. 10 hours? Yeah, you're t- you got to cross Missouri. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. Beautiful so, institution. Beautiful. Great, great, great place. Uh, I, have, I, plug, it was, I plug, really enjoyed my experience Ken- there. Yeah, plug Kansas all you want here. Beautiful uh, campus. All right, so you 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 had a career. I mean, I don't know what you won or, or lost at, at Kansas, but you go to Louisville, right? Or Louisville, mm-hmm. however. Louisville. Louisville. Yep. Uh, assistant coach. Yep. Assistant part, coach. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Assistant coach worked for a first year head coach. Um, and who was that? Uh, Laura Fote. So you're there at Louisville. So what happens next? Like, what do you? Um, after that, like I I start recruiting. I start doing international recruiting. So get like seeing that side of the Division One coaching environment. Um, and yeah, just learned a lot because that was my first, you know, out of out of the silo that I was used to, like Connecticut. I knew my Connecticut high school rowing, right. like I had that kind of locked down. Kansas, I think I I got everything I could out of that experience, so that was a good transition into just the, the, the coaching side of Division One and seeing how much the sport had grown. Feel like you knew that this was going to be your, your your the future of your life, right? You wanted to be make this a career. Do you remember that moment in your life, or can you think back to when that happened? Because you look, you've you've been rowing since '93. You went from coaching to tra- training, coaching, and now helping run 
the oldest manufacturer in the world, right? So was there a moment that you just said, I gotta do this for my career? There was a moment actually when I got back from New Zealand and I had this incredible experience and I was much more educated than I was two years prior to leaving the country two years prior. Um, and I looked around and I was like, what, you know, what do I want to do? Like I've, I've done, I, I'm a fully fledged adult right sure, now. Yeah, <laughs> like what do I yeah. want to do in my life? And I did, I very concretely remember having the thought like when, what do I enjoy the most? Like when, when was I my happiest? And, it's, and was that in, in the launch coaching? Uh, well, it's being, being part of a team ultimately, mm. I think is what it is. It's when you're surrounded by like-minded, hardworking people um, who are working towards a common goal. And I, I, I just I get a really big kick out of that. You know, I get really frustrated when I'm part of bad teams, but I, you know, seeking to be part of a team and um, the, doing it through the metaphor of, or the, the um, expressing it through the sport of rowing. I mean, it's pretty great. Yeah, way I mean, to do you that. have a team here at Pocock, and, and I know that you coach, uh, you know, outside of this, so you obviously have continued that that passion. Powerful moment, right, for you? Yeah. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there's there. There's also, I have a deep insight that what we do is, we as a sport is absolutely ridiculous. Like mm. we, when the sport is sliding around on your butt and moving the boat backwards. Just dumb. You just, just plumb, just plumb <laughs> silly. Like, yeah. like what, we, <laughs> what are we doing? And we get so, we, like people get, Obsessed. myself included, so wrapped up, so unbelievably, completely invested yeah. and myopic to a point of literal craziness. But that's right. But I recognize that, and I still I walk well, right towards it. it. Yeah, right. you embrace it. <laughs>didn't start with Pocock till 2013. I was at Syracuse prior to that. Um, so my besides the 1985 C4s that were in the Blood Street Skulls boathouse back in Connecticut, the next real experience I had with Pocock's was coaching at Louisville and walking into their relatively modest boathouse at that time. They have a beautiful new facility now, but they just had a you know brick garage kind of yep. um, very clean, very open boathouse. But you walk in and it was just beautiful racks full of all just all white boats. Wow like brand new they had a beautiful fleet um and i was like whoa these are what years were this uh this was 2007 okay yep. so that was my first kind of like modern experience with the boats and they were they were so great and john and bill like being on the customer side of things was they were so the first time i met them was approachable so, so I mean, approachable, I would say approachable and helpful and calling the yep. shop was so easy so that was a very positive experience and then um I came and actually visited the shop, this office that we're sitting in right now. I was out here recruiting probably in 2008 or 2009, and John was in here. And um, I came up, and, and he showed me around, and that was the first time I was here. And walking into the shop was really... Um, I, I feel like this is colored because I work here now, but in hindsight, it was like it's like a religious experience. Like, you walk in, and it's kind of like a cathedral. It has high ceilings, mm -hmm. and everything's long and angled, and as much as the offices upstairs might not reflect it... Um, I don't know. It's just a space because I well, do appreciate the sport so much. Like it was sacred. There was there's, something sacred about there, it. There's to something. Me. I think. I think the, the sex appeal of rowing is really important to to, to rowers. But, um, and you know, I, I think rowers are obsessed with the history of the sport. And there's a picture of George Pocock <laughs> leaning over a wooden boat. And there's just something like oddly enticing to that picture. Like you just, I just want to stare at it. Yeah. And like that guy founded 
U.S. rowing for people. I mean, he is the reason, and his this company here is the reason that there are there's boat manufacturing in America. I know. I get chills. You're getting chills, like, it's right? So, it's so. But it's the truth. Nerdy. It's the truth. It's, and then there's there's a yeah. 1978 poster of the head of the Schuylkill behind you, mm-hmm. and there's I don't know who's rowing in that picture. There's a pair, uh, but it's that it's probably that famous pair that Aikens or Aiken, mm-hmm. uh, it's yep. probably it's those guys. There's an obsession with our sport, and it's beautiful, and it's simple. So, yeah, I get it. Like, when you walk into Pocock, you get that sense every time you walk in here. You know, you know talking to John, I, you know, he says that he loves coming here every day. I think he loves coming here because there's a piece of his father here, mm-hmm. right? And he just loves it. And he, you know, he shares an office with his dad, who's not here as much anymore. But, and as you walk up the steps, you know, and you walk into this place, you see photos from the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1970s. There's a history of rowing, and it's here in the U.S. So I get that. Like I get why people fall in love with this place when you walked in. So you walked in 07, 08, 09, whatever. Um, was it then and there that you realized, man, I got to work here one day? No way. No, no, that was not. No, I was just like, man, that was cool. I understand so much more. <laughs> and then, um, shameless plug right now, I was part of the first um, CoachCon class that came in so the uh my predecessor amy winner came up with um this fantastic idea to bring in collegiate assistant coaches for like an educational kind of mini mini retreat yeah you've you've been promoting that for a while it's been going around for a while yeah so i was part of the first class of class of that then in 12 Um, assistant coaches what year from so that would have been 2009 10 probably 10 okay um 10 or 11 um but yeah, I came, came out to the shop with a group of people that I didn't know, but then left fast friends with. Um, yeah, of course. You're three days with them. Three days of just like boat repair and talking rowing and talking recruiting and talking rigging and just like geeking out on rowing. Isn't it funny how long you can talk about rowing? Oh, God. I can talk about high school scholastic <laughs> rowing for 10 hours. Yeah. Straight. Syracuse Pocock posted a job and they had it listed as like for marketing or slash education oh and I was like that sounds interesting and and and, and what an honor it would be to be able to work for that company Uh and at that point in my time I I was I was looking for a little bit of a change Um, division one women's rowing coaching is taxing as a cautionary tale and I know a lot of people are having this conversation you can you can dig yourself into a pretty big hole if you don't take care of yourself and, sure and um, create some space and some boundaries that are really hard to do when the pressure is that high and the energy is that high and the expectations are that high and again this is absolutely nothing what, about Syracuse or my bosses no, but like no, no, the no. sport in and of itself like for me There's I just a needed a change so you came in in 2013 mm-hmm. um, as a marketing Education, education person, whatever that means. but I mean, what are you doing now? I mean, you've you've really advanced, not only Pocock, but you've advanced your career in, in Pocock now. Um, so tell people, like, what do you do now at Pocock? Um, I wear I wear a lot of hats. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of things to be done. Um, the I would say primarily I'm the outward facing kind of person or literally face or the voice, face a of voice on the phone yeah. that you get um, if you call the shop definitely as a current customer I think supporting supporting our teams and I really think about it as like we support our coaches and we support our teams and again knowing knowing the disparate and myriad number of things you need to be putting your attention on both as a head coach or an assistant coach or a graduate assistant or a boatman at the division one level of rowing I mean there's so many things you need to be attending to and there are things that 
as as a, as a boat builder or as your support system, I, I know I can personally take off your plate. I was I, I had I had asked John what his favorite thing was, and it was attending races. Yours is attending practices. I love as much as as much as I love I love going to races and watch. I mean, who doesn't like a good race? Right. And, and see, and honestly, like seeing the boats compete, like I love I love seeing them out on the water, and because I love knowing the... where they came from. Like I know where they came from, and then to see the end result is so. Um, actually building, being, and I, I am, I sit at a desk all day. I do not build the boats, but being tangential to a, a business where we create something, I take an enormous amount of pride in that. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I think everyone knows my agenda with Rower's Choice, right? Like I sell boats. I'm a competitor to Pocock, but I have a love affair with Pocock that I will <laughs> never, it'll never go away. Right. And I, I really appreciate what Pocock and the company culture that you, you have here. You've turned into the face of, of Pocock, a female face of Pocock. <laughs> and I, I, I hope that you don't take that lightly and you realize like, that's a big deal. How does that make you feel? Do you feel that you have do you feel that you have a responsibility? Do you feel, how does that make you feel? It's funny because it's something that I never think about, but a lot of people bring up bring up and want to talk to me about. And yes. in a way where I, I guess I need to appreciate that um, pedestal is probably the wrong word, but platform. It's a platform um, because there's other women. So specific, I mean, this goes across, I mean, this is, I mean, I know we're getting off on a little bit of a thing, but this is a, this is a really important message. Like I, I sat down with Alex James of mm -hmm. NK and that, that podcast is launching pretty soon. She's the CEO of NK. Mm -hmm. It's arguably one of the largest businesses in our sport. It is. I mean, it is the biggest electronic business. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> aside from Concept2, like NK is in almost every single boat there is, right? And I asked her, what would you give advice to for a 17-year-old girl who wants to make this a profession? And she had some pretty powerful things. And I'm not going to reveal it right now. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, people are going to listen to the podcast and they'll hear it for themselves. Hey, guys. It's CJ. Sorry to cut in again real quick. Uh, just wanted to let you know the podcast Alex is referring to with Alex James, the CEO of NK, that was episode 10. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, when well, you're done with this one, uh, we recommend going back and checking out Alex talking to Alex James. Thanks. Um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about as I was coming into your office, like what I want to ask you. It's like, what do you tell the 17-year-old girl you're coaching who says to you, Andrea, I want to make this a career? You know, it's, it's, uh, it is very interesting because I see this. I, I think my position here has a lot to do with luck and a lot to do with timing. Because I truly believe no one in the world has the same job that I have. There's no company like Pocock Racing Shells anywhere in the world. Um, but I think in coaching <laughs> as well, like I, I, I coach the Pocock uh, Rowing Center Juniors, and we, sure. on our coaching staff, we're we're always looking for again a plug. If anybody in the Seattle area is sure. looking for junior coaching. Um, we're always looking for good coaches and good assistant coaches. And on our staff, we have a we have a completely badass. Uh, shout out to Zoe, uh, novice women's novice coach, who's a woman. 
but the rest of the staff and as we um alex mann the program director and head coach keeps keeps putting out feelers and we keep hiring people but it's all it's all men it's all young it's a very male-driven industry and and it's not that it's not that he's not choosing women it's that women aren't applying so i mean even um yeah alex mann and i had this exact conversation yesterday and i don't uh and again i have a lot of insights at a lot of different scales on the rowing world and i i i'm I have hypotheses, but I'm I'm kind of stymied by it. Like, if you want it, go for it. There's yeah. a lot of opportunities out there, but a lot of them aren't glamorous. Like they're, Sure. And I think to that point, what Alex Mann and I were talking about was that women now actually have, with the growth of Title IX rowing and with the explosion of opportunities, like if you're a varsity women's rower at a NCAA program at any division, you have a very concrete path of being a GA, being an assistant coach, hmm. and in in that level of Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three women's rowing, where maybe, and again, maybe this is just my experience. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this, but like at the junior level, um, I I'm not seeing a lot of women jump in at those kind of um, entry level opportunities because they they kind of like they they hopscotch it, they hmm. leap over. Sure. It. I think you just have to again there's a lot of not glamorous time i feel well, like we're hitting a lot of high points no, but no, there no, was no, a lot just... of like ungla- un, un, like i this does seem like i talk about the cathedral feeling of the of the <laughs> shop and all of those things but there's um there's a lot of unglamorous elements that aren't when people have the opportunity to work for amazon or facebook or like being in thinking about being in seattle like there's so many opportunities um i, I see it this way forgive me for interrupting yeah. i see it this way i see that there's so many choices or there's so many examples of men in rowing in the sport in all levels of the sport. You say, oh, I want to be like that guy. There's not that in the women, in women, right? There are. So it's just a very short list. I but mean, that's a, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, if it's if there's 100, there's 100 for the men's side and there might be 15 positions on the women's side that you can say, oh, I want to be like her. I hope that you don't take it lightly that you can you can voice that message and, and get it out there to help grow the sport. Because mm-hmm. I think aside from rowing, the grow the sport needs to grow in other areas. Yeah. And that's like people on the shop floors building boats to, uh, I mean, education of, of fitness, nutrition. Um, it needs to be like what golf is and what tennis is and what those those kinds of sports. We, we have to find a way to grow it. I'm so appreciative to be here. Um, right. And I guess be able to carry that mantle. If people have questions, I'm happy to answer them. I don't, but I, but I don't think it's a. There's no secret path. Certainly, it's just showing up and figuring out who you want to be around. I think that's the. But it, it it took you a while to find that, right? I mean, it took you a couple of tries at different colleges and coaching and. Yeah, and I think the diversity of experience is super important. Like I sure. think you, I think you do need to get out and realize like what you don't know and realize what you do know. Like this is oh this is good this is sound like what I thought I know works like this mm. part of it works but there there could be another way and 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 oftentimes there is a better way. Where where's Pocock headed? Like where where do you see? You know you can even broaden out to the to the to the industry. Like where do you see it going in the next five to ten years? I mean, I, the sport so much matters. Like things that didn't used to matter, matter. Countable hours, the amount of time that you can spend with athletes, the mm. amount of time you can spend on the water, like NCAA rules that sanction. And that's for men and women. I mean, that goes for both, right? Yeah, I mean, like time Time is our most limited commodity. Um, and as people get better and better funding, which is happening all over, uh, the things that matter, matter more. 
Um, so does that mean that there's going to be more restrictions, but there's going to be more opportunities for jobs in the in the in the, in the industry? Um, I think it means that personal relationships matter. I think that's going to be the the thing that matters has the has the most value. Okay. Like who you know and and who is who is teaching you who who you are getting your information from about right. what is meaningful um, is very important in terms of the industry. I mean, it's just gonna. I see it just it's gonna keep growing. Um, it's a beautiful sport. It. There are no concussions. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, for sure. I mean, all the things that we all talk. I mean, it's a lifetime sport, but I think the the level of rowing, like getting to have a front row seat to watching the level of, um, you know, particularly women's rowing in this country, just get faster and faster and higher and higher, and the caliber of athlete, mm. um, the bar just keeps getting raised, and I'm so excited to see where that where that ends up because I don't think we're anywhere near. Um, no, I, end, I, but thinking about like seven, you know, seven ten on the erg used to be fast, and not to take it, I do not think the erg is the be all end all, but just the physiology and the bodies that are coming through has has uh, changed leaps and bounds. Leaps I and mean, bounds. breaking seven minutes now is like a standard for right. the NCAA grand final. Like you have athletes breaking seven minutes consistently for all teams. No, I I, I hear you on that. I mean, I I, I like that. I, mean, I I like I like what you said. Like, things that didn't matter matter more now, and I. I really appreciate that. That 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 to me, I hear the le- the legitimate the legitimate. What's the word I'm looking for? It like legitimizes our sport more, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes heavily scrutinized, which is a good thing, right? Yeah. And with that comes growth and speed and sustainability, mm-hmm. right? You know, we should be put on the same pedestal that football and baseball and softball and all the other sports, like same restrictions. Same growth, same opportunities. My concern is that um, the sport will become overpriced for entry. That mm-hmm. teams will have a really hard time getting into the sport. Now you can't you can't grow team sizes more. You have to grow more teams. Mm-hmm. I think that every team has a capacity of 100, 125 kids. Boat houses are you know there's a, there's a size limit to boat houses. So I think the struggle that we'll find is that you'll get a lot of interest. But then teams will have to be created, and the cost of entry for that is very high. Anything else that you can think of that you see the industry going through in the next couple of years? Uh, hopefully, getting more women and more women's voices. There you go. See? <laughs> that would be that would be a great thing. Um, no, I think it's just going to keep again the the bar gets raised and the legitimizing the sport. I mean, I think that that is and going back to my meandering talk about Kansas and rowing in the Midwest, like. We had Justin Price out here, who's I think in his third year at Rutgers, and just seeing what he did there and hearing how he, he got, like he got fast, talk quick. about cultural change, but it just a big foundation of like his message was just making it like we are legitimate, like you are legitimate athletes, we are legitimate that, within this athletic department. What's beautiful about that? It builds your character for future stuff. Like okay, yeah, you're you're a legitimate rowing team, but that mentality carries you for the next twenty or thirty years of your life. And I think actually that's that would be my like where are we going? We're becoming legitimate. Where where literally everything matters. Like the boats matter. I mean the boats have always mattered. But every I mean every bolt on the boats matter. But uh, so th- to that point, the quality of the boats and the support that you get, whatever that is, even if it's just picking up the phone to like chat about to have a unbiased person give you give you some feedback or just another rowing nerd to nerd out with. Um, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. But the yeah, the legitimacy of the sport is uh, in, in all 
all the ways that that all the ways. So, uh, what a great um, podcast! I enjoyed every minute of this. So, thank you, uh, Andrea, for this. Um, you know, there's the, the, some key takeaways here. I think are really important. And uh, if there was a video, you would see the passion coming out of, of Andrea talking about rowing, Pocock, her experiences, and what it's done for her, and um, you know, her future. Um, so, next podcasts are going to be more on coaches training and what you can do for the spring season i hope you've enjoyed listening thanks a lot this is the rower's choice podcast rower's choice is made up of finish line shell repair resolute racing shells and sykes usa 